0: the Battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. And man, we're going to be talking Arlovsky versus Barnett. I got Benjamin Abrego breaking down the prelims with me. And then later on, we're going to welcome Kobe from Kobe's Corner to break down the main card. So Benjamin, welcome back to Half the Battle, man.
1: Thanks. Super happy to be on. Uh, we got a card kind of flying under the radar, but these prelims are... Uh, we got some good fights, surprisingly, for fight pass prelims, no?
0: We absolutely do, man. And I mean... Just right out the gate, kicking off the, the card, we got Rustam Habilov. He's a minus four twenty five favorite with the comeback on Leandro Buscapé Silva at plus three forty. Now, while I do think that Rustam Habilov should be the favorite, I think this lines a little bit out of whack, man. I was thinking of a uh, Rustam Habilov more of you know a minus two hundred favorite, not a minus four twenty five favorite. And uh, with Leandro, yeah, you know he did drop his last five, but every single time he's lost. It's been a very close, you know, split decision. You look at the fight with Francisco Trinaldo. You look at the fight with Jason Sago, I mean, those were close fights that could have gone either way. So for Rustam Habibulov to be a minus 425 here, I mean, he has to go out there and have an emphatic victory. But the thing is, I think it's going to be another one of these close, uh, split decisions where, you know, maybe Rustam has the edge in the grappling and just in the sense that you know, paid tends to get taken down, you know. It's hard to pass this guy's guard. You're not going to pass his guard, you're not going to mount him, you're not going to submit him, but you can take him down. And from time to time, you know, he'll be he he'll accept that position and won't get back up to his feet. So if Rustam's going to win this fight, you know, he's got to take advantage of the top control, you know, try to explode on the feet when he gets that chance because for him, he's not a very active striker. He kind of circles around a little bit, waits for his moment to explode with those big strikes. And so man, it, it's really a close fight. This card specifically, I'm gonna play it super safe, and that's the only reason I'm not taking the. The I'm gonna go uh, George Safe Pierre on this. You know what I'm saying? But uh, normally I would take the shot on Leandro Bouscape, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass, even though the line's completely off, and I'm breaking uh, my rule. If the line's off, you gotta bet it. But I just think Rustam Hobby Lob's gonna win the decision, but it's gonna go down closer than the odds indicate.
1: Yeah, I mean. I think that's basically how I see it. I don't want to say Kabilov is overrated, but I do think he's consistently one of the more like overvalued fighters. If you look back at his odds um, in previous fights, he's always this like huge dog and finds himself in, in super close fights. Um, and you kind of talked about that. His output on the feet is not always what it needs to be. Um, Silva, at least from what I've seen, tends to struggle with pressure and you know, when Jabilov has his hands on you, he's friggin' relentless, right? His pressure is some of the best in the division. But sometimes he'll stand at range and just kind of stare at you, faint, 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 and never throw anything. Um, on, I mean, and you also talked about uh, Silva's guard. You know, maybe he doesn't get his guard passed. He doesn't really get beat up on the once he's on his back. Uh, but his he doesn't really have much of a get up game like Jason Sago was able to hold him down for when he got him there Sago was able to put him there and, and hold him down and you better believe uh Rustam's going to be able to hold him down as well um the big thing with me is Rustam's his like striking defense does not match the rest of his skills he kind of I don't know if he's just cocky or what but you know Chris Wade dropped him with a beautiful head kick um so you know maybe if Silva can string together some punch and kick combos, which he he does do. Um, you know, maybe he can steal some rounds, maybe knock down Roostum. I don't see him getting a finish or anything like that. But, yeah, I see this, the fight the same way you do. Is The line is way off. I don't know if I'm going to bet Silva, but certainly wouldn't touch uh, Roostum in, like, a parlay or anything.
0: You know what could be a sharp play? The line hasn't been released yet, but the points handicap for Silva might be a sharp play because that way, you know, he can lose a 29-28, and you can still cash the bet. So if the fight is as closely contested as I believe it will be, you know, and and assuming the odds on the points handicap are plus money, that might be the way to go for this fight, man, because, I mean, he can win outright, or he can lose a 29-28. 130-27 will fuck that bet up, but uh, if he gets all three uh, 29-28 and he loses, the bet cashes. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to be taking a look at, even though... You know that plus 340, man. I mean, I feel like I have to take that shot, mm-hmm. but since I'm playing it safe here, I'm trying to get back on track and uh, keep this winning year going. I'm just gonna play it safe and I'm gonna pass for now. Now next up, we got Scott Ascom. He's minus 110, and Jack Hermanson is minus 110 as well. Now this is one. Uh, this is gonna be my first bet of the night. You know, I went uh, one unit on Scott on Scott Ascom. You know, Jack Hermanson, he's been hyped up a lot in the regional scene, and he's one of these guys that, uh, you know, he's tall, he's rangy, he likes to switch his stance a lot, he likes to rely on the jab and uh, point fight, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to get the victory, you're going to get the victory. But as far as who's more exciting to watch, obviously ask him. But, you know, fuck all that when we're trying to handicap, right? So, But with ask him, I do like the fact that, you know, even though he has had setbacks in the UFC, they were, they were to, in my opinion... Top-level guys, you know people might not know who Magnus Siedenblad or Christoph Jocko are But I can tell you right now those two guys are no slouches at all and to go the full three-round distance with them And you know with uh, Magnus Siedenblad he dropped him with Jocko, you know He won on one of the judges scorecards, so he's, he's fought competitive, competitively with these guys And he's also shown that he can knock people out the place that he uh, You know exceeds the best is excuse me, Excel's the best. Is uh, definitely up close. You know, he, he's a he's a pocket kind of guy. Throw nice straight punches in the pocket, and uh, he'll get you in that clinch and throw that big knee. So, with Hermanson, he's got a he's got a hit and move here. But I think that Scott Ascom has the experience fighting those kind of fighters, better versions of a guy like Hermanson, and that's why I took a, a one unit bet on Scott Ascom here. So yeah. I'm picking Askim for the victory, whether it's a decision or a knockout. I think he gets it done.
1: Yeah, I my pick at least initially is Hermanson. You may have swung me a little bit. I do think it's close. The reason I initially thought Hermanson um, is just a straight out like athleticism advantage. I think you know he's obviously the quicker guy. Um, Askim is super dangerous up up close. I'm just not convinced necessarily that he can get it there. However you know, and you kind of touched on this, Hermanson. his, his path to victory is going to be like a disciplined three round kind of point fighting style, which, you know, he's making his UFC debut. It's not certain whether he's, he's going to be able to do that. Ask him on the other hand, you know, he's a finisher. He might not be, I don't think he's very athletic at all for, for as good as he is as a fighter. Um, but he has those, you know, finishing instincts, the, Punch and kick of Dempsey is like, you know, replay that gif over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to stick with Hermanson. You know, maybe you convince me. I do. The fight against Yatko, just watching it the other night, I was a little. Yatko's really, really good. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. I was a little underwhelmed that Askham didn't seem to be able to kind of adjust to what he needed to do. He was overwhelmed by Yatko's movement. And then in the clinch, Yatko's a you know, a beast. Um, so I was a little underwhelmed by him there, but, you know, maybe the big fight experience will take over, and, and, you know, we can't necessarily rely on Hermanson being this really disciplined point fighter for three rounds in his UFC debut.
0: I mean, I think the thing about the Jocko fight is Jocko's just that good, man. Like, I, I, I'm buying the hype with this kid, man. I think that Jocko is the real fucking deal. I think he's a top 15 wel- uh, middleweight and uh, that's just, you know, of course he was frustrating, Ask him. Jocko's a, a badass motherfucker, and obviously Hermanson would try to go in there with a similar game plan, but it's like you said, is he going to be able to be that disciplined in his UFC debut under those bright lights? You know, he does have a, you know, championship experience. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the former Cage Warriors champion, and a lot of those Cage Warrior guys have been doing well in the UFC, but man, uh, I gotta go with ask him here, so may the best man win. Now next up, and we're not going to take too long on this one. We got Jargis Danhoe, the man mountain. He's minus 120. And the comeback on Christian Colombo is plus 100. Um, I mean, this is, you know, one of those uh, lower-level heavyweight fights. Jargis Danhoe, at least, he's got experience in the UFC. He went in there with Daniel Omalanchuk, made it to the third round. Um, and with Christian Colombo, I mean, he's only had one fight in the last three years, I believe, and tore his ACL and getting up there in age. I'm going to go with Jarvis Danho here, and that's about it. Got to go with the Man Mountain.
1: Yeah, I mean, who the hell knows? Uh, possibly pound for pound, worst nickname in the UFC. I hope, <laughs> I hope somebody gave that to him and he didn't give it to himself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and the, you can't really even find any footage on Colombo. He at least, like, Danho, you know, doesn't look very technical, but he's got big fight experience and at least recent experience. So, yeah, I would go with Danho, but... Like you're out of your mind if you're betting that fight.
0: <laughs> now, next up, we got Taylor Laplace. He's minus 155, and the comeback on Leandro Issa is plus 135. Now, uh, Taylor Laplace, in my opinion, he's uh, one of the top two French prospects on the planet. You know, the other one being Francis Enganu. Uh, I think Taylor Laplace is the real deal, man. I mean, he had that setback to Eric Oito, but as you saw in uh, Eric Oito's last fight, He's no fucking slouch, man, and uh, that was a good experience for Taylor Laplace. Every fighter has to get that first UFC L out of the way, and now he got his out of the way, and I think uh, he's going to go out there against Issa and perform very well. I think it's going to be a decision because, look, Leandro Issa has world-class jiu-jitsu. I know Russell Doan tapped him out, but at the end of the day... You know, if Leandro Issa gets on top of you, man, I mean, you got problems, and if he takes your back, it's even worse. He's he's a world-class jiu-jitsu guy, but Taylor Lapliss has shown very, very good takedown defense, so, you know, for me, it's kind of hard to, to picture Leandro Issa actually being able to take him down. Maybe he pulls guard and tries to sweep but I just don't think so. I think Taylor's going to be able to keep it standing. He's going to piece him up. His athleticism will definitely shine here, and he's going to get a much-needed victory that's going to propel him to that next uh, stage in his career. So, yeah, I got Taylor Lapilus, man.
1: I'm going to go with Lapilus as well. However, I'm super excited about this fight. I think it's close, um, and I could also see whoever wins might win in a dominating fashion, just the way the matchup works. Um, Both guys... I mean, Lapulus, we don't know a ton about. He kind of faded against Goyito, um, but I also think part of that, he was just getting beat up. Um, but, you know, Lapulus is the real deal on the feet. Exchanging in, in the pocket, He his range is like perfect. Um, and Issa, you know, is super limited on the feet. He looks real kind of herky-jerky and awkward. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Issa can get Lapulus down early. Um, and then that's where we'll get a lot of questions answered. You know, can Lapulus come back from uh, adversity? People are saying that, you know, he kind of quit against Goito, which I don't really know about that. I don't think so. I think he I think he was up against a guy who was really, really aggressive and really in his face, when I don't think Issa can can duplicate that. Like you said, Issa's, like, beaten potatoes jiu-jitsu game is world-freaking-class. Um, so I think he's dangerous in the first round, but... Lapulus with his, his takedown defense, his movement, not only is Isa going to have a trouble like even reaching him, but even if he does get into a clinch with Lapulus, Lapulus is dangerous with knees, elbows, um, and he just can, will piece him up on the feet. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a 29, 28 Lapulus here, maybe dropping the first round, but, uh, Issa tends to fade and he'll get beat up real quick once he starts fading.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the criticism that Taylor Laplace got for his fight against Goito, you know, but I I don't think that you can really blame him for that. It was one of those fights where experience was key. You know, Eric Goito, he had that same thing happen to him when he fought Takeo Mizugaki. Everyone has to fight that experienced vet. That's kind of, you know, back to the Askham versus Hermanson fight. I think it's going to be one of those situations where Hermanson, you know, shows some good stuff early, but Askham takes over late. But, uh, you know, with uh, Lapalus and Issa, I think Lapalus is going to shine here. But much respect to Issa. I mean, he's a world-class dude. He went three rounds with Yuri Alcantara, which, you know, if you can go three rounds with that dude, then uh, you're pretty damn serious. So uh, much respect, but I got to go with Taylor Lapalus here. Next up, we got Ashley Evans-Smith. She's minus 265. And the comeback on the newcomer, Veronica Macedo, is plus 225. Now, little tidbit, Veronica Macedo made her pro MMA debut in March 2016 this year and now she's in the UFC so I mean you know credit to her man she's been taking a lot of fights she's been winning those fights but uh you know once again it, it seems to be a common theme on this card that we go back to that experience talk and, you know Ashley Evans-Smith she's also she's she's been thrown to the wolves I mean UFC debut against Raquel Pennington then the next fight she goes in there against Marion Renault, and so the fight with Pennington was interesting because we've you know, we heard about Ashley Evan Smith being this wrestler, so she got to showcase a little bit of that wrestling in the Ashley Evan Smith fight. You know, excuse me, in the Raquel Pennington fight in that first round. Then in the Marion Renault fight, you know, I actually bet on Ashley Evan Smith as a dog there. It's a very controversial decision, <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny because I, I, I'm screaming at the at my fight pass. I'm like, I'm like, take her down, like, like, where's your wrestling? Because she tried to stand with her all three rounds, and she did this thing. You know, she was trying to switch her stances. She was trying to, you know. Do uh, the cute striking thing, but like, hey, thank you, judges. I appreciate that. P- people were like getting mad at me for cashing, that I was like, bro, like I-, I, I, I wasn't the judge. I was just the guy that bet on uh, Ashley Evan Smith. But look, in this spot, I think that Veronica has more potential. She has more of a ceiling. But once again, man, that experience is going to be the factor here. And Ashley Evan Smith also has some size on Veronica. Not that the bigger uh, man or woman always wins, but in this spot, I think experience is going to be key. I mean, it could be the classic letdown where Ashley was super pumped to fight Jermaine durand me, and now she might be like, oh, who's Veronica Meseta? But man, I, I don't see that happening. I, I think that she'll uh, find a way to win, so I got Ashley Evan Smith here.
1: Yeah, I like Evan Smith uh, quite a bit as well. Um, I mean, props on you on that, that Renault bet. Uh, I'm sure everybody <laughs> was telling you that Maybe, and I'm sure you probably thought she had lost the fight as well, but you, yeah. know, you say you cash the tickets. So
0: hey, I look, was- I, I thought Joe Lozon beat Jim Miller last week, <laughs> so it's like you take your licks and you fucking take your robberies too. That's
1: how it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Evan Smith. I think the size is a huge factor here just based on the way these two fight. Um, Macedo, she looks – she's really small. She looks like she could maybe even make 115. Um, and Evan Smith is definitely one of the bigger women at that weight class. Um, hope, and I'm almost positive she was, if she was preparing for another striker, you gotta think that she's just using the same game plan, takedown. Macedo, she's a uh, pretty skilled in jujitsu, um, but she has basically no takedown defense. One thing I would maybe look at a prop on Macedo by sub. I would guess that's a pretty high number. I could, you know, she goes for heel hooks, things like that. I wouldn't be super surprised if that happens, but, um, you know, we saw Ashley Evan Smith, you know, she, she eventually got subbed with like once or she got choked unconscious rather by, by Rocky Pennington, but in the clinch exchanges and Rocky's a big girl, uh, Evan Smith was able to kind of outmuscle her. Now she's got, you know, a much, much smaller, much, much greener girl in front of her. I think she's just going to take her down ground and pound, rinse and repeat three rounds maybe even get a finish um and even another thing is is Macedo on top of basically having no takedown defense she throws a ton of kicks and I'm sure if you remember basically the only time that uh Evan Smith got on top of Renault in that fight was after catching a kick so I could see her catching a, a kick from the outside putting her down and just beating her up uh but yeah I like Evan Smith quite a bit here
0: well, you brought up the submission prop for Massetto, and it's a uh, plus 585. So if you're on something, it could be worth a stab. But I think we both agree, you know, the experience, the size, and uh, that's what's going to be the difference here for Ashley Evan smith Now next up, holy shit, there's been some movement on this one. We got Nicholas Dalby's minus 165. And the comeback on Peter Sabata is plus 145. Now, I bet on Nicholas Dalby when he was plus 105. So to see this minus 165, I'm kind of like, man, I hope this is one of those situations where uh, the strength in numbers pays off. You know, a lot of people were asking me why I say that, you know, there's no... Strength, uh, power, in numbers, or strength in numbers, in this game. Well, the reason why, I mean, is if there was, everyone would be a fucking millionaire doing doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason that the books win the majority of the time, because there are no strength in numbers. But I hope this is one of those rare occasions where you know it pays off, where everyone's right, man. Because look, I like Dolby a lot, man. I mean, his his UFC run so far. I know he's one, one, and one, one win, one loss, one draw. But man, I mean, he's fucking impressive, you know. He, uh, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Machida and uh, Gunnar Nelson in the way that he stands up and bounces around like a karate guy. But he'll also mix in takedowns too, and he's tough as fuck. His biggest uh, problem is that he is a bit of a slow starter. But I mean, dude, you, you drop this guy, he'll get back up, and uh, he'll try to knock you out. He's, he, he's He'll never back down from a fight. With Peter Sabata, when he initially made his second stint in the UFC, I was kind of like, wow, man, this guy, you know, he's he's putting together, you know, some impressive wins. I thought he was going to go out there and beat Kyle Noak, and, and he went down to a front kick to the body. Not saying that that kick didn't hurt because clearly it did, but you don't often see people go down to front kicks from the body. And uh, you, know who, you know who kicks a lot? Nicholas Dalby. And uh, if you're going down to kicks like that, man, I think Dalby might have something for him here. Not, not just the body kicks. What about the head kicks? You know, you saw the fight with Zach Cummings. Zach Cummings, as you saw in his fight with Santiago Ponzanibio, that dude has a chin from hell. And uh, Nicholas Dalby cracked him with a clean head kick right on the chin, which uh, Zach Cummings just took like no problem. I don't think Peter Sabata can take those same shots no problem. And, uh... I got to go with Dalby here, man. I think he's better in all areas of the game. And it's funny. I actually spoke to Dalby. I, I was in LA for uh, UFC 199, and Dalby told me that, uh, you know, Sabata's been ducking him for a while. He's been trying to get this fight made for a while. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, there, there's a backstory there. I'm, I'm pumped for it, man. But at the end of the day, I think Dalby's going to get it done, whether it's a unanimous decision or a TKO. I think he wins this fight.
1: Yeah, I've been waffling on this pick. Quite a bit. Um I think maybe you swing me towards Dolby. I don't know, man. Uh I went into it, I think like the the betting public did, did at least thinking, oh, of course Dolby's gonna win this. Um but the more tape I watched on Sabata, the more tape I watched on Dolby, the closer and closer it got in my mind. Um a big, I think Dolby is really disciplined and the heart is like off the charts. That Darren Till fight was insane, um, and he's got great cardio. And he's he's pretty like on his feet. He's got some defensive craft in terms of like parrying punches and moving, um, and he's real tight on the ground. The difference with between him and Sabata is, Sabata is Sabata is a little bit more wild. He's not as disciplined, but I think Sabata has maybe a deeper a deeper skill set, especially on the ground. I don't know if Sabata is going to be able to take him down. Um, I think in scrambles, uh, like you had mentioned, Dolby can mix in a takedown here and there. I think in scrambles that's where he might be in danger. I'm not super impressed with Dolby's ground game. I know it, it, he's safe and hes and he's very tight, uh, but I also you know that's Sabata's strength and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sabata take a back or, or snatch onto a guillotine somewhere in there. Um, hey, sorry th-
0: sorry to interrupt. I just want to comment on this before I forget because I know I'm going to forget. I actually am impressed with his ground game. I'll tell you why. Because in that Zach Cummings fight, so Zach drops him. And while he's rocked, Zach goes for a darse choke. And we know Zach has a very good ground game. So the fact that Dobby was able to defend that while he was rocked, that was a, a good sign for me. You know, in terms of how his jiu-jitsu would match up in this fight.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I also think that it was a, a darce, right, where I believe Cummings was like on his back. Yeah. Trying to... shit. Ch- well, at, yeah. at
0: first... At- it, it was a darsh, but then you know, he he, he start, They started transitioning to all kinds of shit there because I mean, Dolby was fighting it off,
1: right? I think at the same time that speaks again to to the dude's heart, uh, fighting out of that choke. Um, Sabata is like, he's so hittable on the feet. Um, his you know he'll come in with his chin up a lot, so I think that's that that karate counter striking style of Dolby's could could tag Sabata on the feet a lot. At the same time. You know, Dol I know Zach Cummings is a beast, but it looked like a boy and a man in there. You know, so uh Dolby doesn't pack a ton of power in his punch, at least it seems. Um, but we're definitely gonna that tested, because like I said, Sabata's really, really hittable. Um Sabata Southpaw, Cummings was a southpaw, it looked like Dolby maybe had a little bit of trouble with that. So Taylor was a all- southpaw. Yeah, you're right. So so this it's one of those things where I went into it thinking, oh, of course Dolby's gonna win this fight, but then these like, oh, Sabata has all these like X, Y, and Z characteristics that might give Dolby trouble. I think it's a great, I think it's one of the best fights on the whole card. Um, I guess if I have to pick, I'll go Sabata just because you took Dolby, but you know it could go either way.
0: Yeah, definitely, I'm pumped for it, and I hope Dolby comes through, man, because I I got a bet on the line. Now, last fight we got to break down before we get to that main card, we got. Jim Wallhead, Judo Jim, he's finally making his UFC debut. He's minus 135. The comeback on the newcomer, Jessen Ayari, is plus 115. Now, Judo Jim Wallhead, I mean, he's been around the European uh, scene for a long, long time. You know, man, he had that devastating L to uh, Danny Hot Chocolate, but, man, he picked himself back up, and here he is, poised to make that UFC debut. I mean, he's your typical seasoned, you know, journeyman. He's a solid journeyman. He's decent in all areas. I mean, when he fights the elite guys, he's not going to win. But with Jessen Ayari, he's kind of like, you know, we were talking about Dalby and we were giving him a lot of respect for his karate style, the way he bounces on his feet, the the counter striking that you mentioned. With Jessen Ayari, it's almost like a poor man's version of Dalby or Gunny or Lyoto, you know. He tries to do the karate thing, but, you know, he has he has been uh, finished via strikes before. His last fight against Mikel LeBou we actually got a, a decision victory over a very tough guy, but it was a close-ass fight, and um, it looked like Labu wasn't in the best shape. It's interesting. When these guys get cut from the UFC in their next fights outside of the promotion, they show up soft and, and shit like that. So, But yeah, uh, Yari got the victory there, so props to him. I think Jimmy Wallhead he's gonna he's gonna bully Ayari around. I mean I know Ayari wants that distance, you know, obviously being the karate fighter that he is. And Jimmy's gonna he's gonna try to close that distance. I think he'll be successful doing it. Once again, experience will be key here. I'm gonna go with Jim Wallhead for the victory.
1: I'm going with Wallhead as well. Um, I think the types of guys that are gonna beat Jim Wallhead in the UFC are uh, good athletes and guys that are really specialized in one area you know great grapplers or, or really amazing strikers and ayari is neither of those he's younger by i think quite a bit he's like 24 he's pretty young yeah i think yeah you're right but, he, but he's not like a blow you out of the water athlete and no. he's he's not particularly disciplined on the feet um so i mean i think wallhead takes it mostly on the feet if it goes to the ground i think wallhead has an advantage there um, but, on the feet wallhead is is just more technically refined and more disciplined and and much more experienced, even though Ayari has like eighteen fights he's i don't know i i don't I'm not buying a ton of hype with this guy he's not a great athlete, and he I would expect him to be further along in his career for as many fights as he has
0: awesome well Benjamin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here right now in half the battle. Tell me, uh, what's your, what's your fight to watch and what, and, uh, who's your fighter to watch?
1: Fight to watch is gotta be, I gotta go Sabata Dalby. Um, fighter to watch, I'm gonna go with Taylor Lapulas.
0: Yeah, definitely. Great, great choices, my man. And yeah, let the audience know where to follow you on social media. Uh,
1: at Benjamin Abrego on Twitter and, you know, you can check me out there. I'll try to get a little bit more active.
0: Yeah. You got anything, uh, anything cool coming up you want to share?
1: Uh, you know, we got a website that I haven't updated in a minute where we're looking at kind of old, uh, underappreciated fighters. It's in the, it's in my Twitter bio. Um, and hopefully I've been looking at a little bit bigger, longer writing project, looking at, uh, different styles and different camps. Uh, I'll post that on bloody elbow. So be on the lookout for that.
0: Definitely, man. Well, thanks again for the time, man. Have a great night, dude. Thanks. Joining me now to break down the main card of UFC Hamburg
2: is Kobe from Kobe's Corner. Kobe, welcome to Half the Battle, man. I'm so excited to be here my first time on your show. I'm a big fan. I watch you all the time. You're doing great work, always bringing in great guests and some hardcore technical analysis. That's what I love. So I'm really grateful to be here with you today on Half the Battle. Well, I appreciate
0: the compliment, compliment my friend. And I feel the exact same way about what you're doing, man. Big things up in uh, Manitoba. I- I'm correct about the place, right?
2: Windsor, Ontario. I-, I wish I lived in Manitoba. Man, Manitoba's way better than where I live. <laughs> well, you are the number one podcast out double- of Windsor.
0: Anyway. Yeah, you got it now. That's right. All right, so, I mean, dude, we got to talk about this main card. So we got Nick Hine. He's a minus 280 favorite. And the comeback on Ty Hune Bang is plus 240. Now... It's kind of hard for me to bet against Nick Hine in Germany, you know what I mean? And uh, this is a really good fight between two veterans of the sport, two guys that have been the distance multiple times. I mean, Ty Hune Bang's been in there with Jorge Masvidal back in the day. You know, they, they've both been in there with some serious guys. They've both got a lot of experience, but at the end of the day, I do think that Nick Hine is better in all facets of the game, whether it's, you know, getting to the punch quicker. You know, let's not, even, let, let's, uh, let's not forget his judo background. If he wants to take the fight to the ground, I believe he'll be able to do so. So it's going to be a competitive decision. You know, Bong or Bang, he's, he, he comes to Bang as his last name indicates. You know, he throws big bombs on the feet, but I think the straight punches of Nick Hine will make the difference. He'll transition to the takedowns, and I think he'll win the 29-28-30-27 unanimous decision here. What do you think, my
2: man? Well, I think you, you had a really good talking point when you brought up the judo. Now, he's three and one in the UFC, all three of those victories going to the cards, but we haven't seen that judo being implemented to the point where it's a real strength. Like, say, Aron Rousey was an Olympic level judoka, but you've seen that in the cage. So, where is this judo that Nick Hine? has in his back pocket. I mean, he medaled in 35 tournaments. He's either got first, second or third on a national and international level. So when does he take that and put it into practical play into the octagon? He's got speed. You know, you see some nice crisp technique. He's a left-hander, but he hasn't really impressed me inside the UFC yet. Is this his coming out party? I don't know, but I think I'd like to see him using that judo in a, in a more practical way for Bang. Two and two in the UFC. You know, his claim to fame right now is the, the comeback knockout win over Cajun Johnson. And I like what you said in that this guy is down to Chuck. He'll stand in the pocket and let him rip. He does sacrifice some technique. The takedown defense only 50%. Uh, his submission defense leaves something to be desired. So how much better has he gotten since fifteen? it's been a year. He also had a three-year layoff prior to that. He's had different things going on in his life. Commitment to the military service, so I don't know exactly how seriously he's been taking it. Has he redefined himself? In the last fight against Koontz, he almost lost. Uh, There was a rear naked choke that he made some technical errors on the ground very close to being finished. So has he shored up that submission defense? I know Bang is an underdog. I don't think he's a terrible bet, though. But I do agree in that Hine has the, the more complete skill set when you look at their, their whole package, most definitely.
0: And you bring up uh, the judo, you know, maybe that he doesn't use his judo offensively, but what I think he does do is he has that judo base, and that's why guys aren't able to take him down. You know, it's not often that you see Nick Hine on his back, and, you know, that's a direct result of his judo background, but what you were saying is you'd like to see him implement it more offensively inside the octagon.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's really good. He's probably, it's probably close to an Olympic level skill set. And like a Damian Maia, you take a look at what he did with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, fourth degree in the gi. But he's taken it into MMA and made himself dominant through one skill set. So if judo is his thing, I just want to see him shine in that regard. He's a blue belt on the ground. And I mean, I agree with you in that I think Hein is the better complete fighter. But if he gets clipped... I mean, you never know. He could go down, and I think uh, Bang needs to win this fight to stay in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Bang is a, a bad bet by
0: any means, but, uh, you know, I don't have the conviction in Bang at this moment to, to bet him. That's just the bottom line. Right. My gut's telling me Nick Hines going to win. But yeah. ne- but next up, we got Ryan Bader. He's a minus 210 favorite, and the comeback on Aaliyah Latifi is plus 175. Now, uh I made a one-unit bet on Alir Latifi back when he was plus 230. I see a lot of money has come in on him. Now, Ryan Bader, yeah, you know, he was on a five-fight win streak, but that fight against Rumble uh, uh, Johnson was just devastating. It's not the fact that he got knocked out. It's that, I mean, what was up with that takedown that he shot, man? I mean, he didn't even set that up. And, you know, I have this rule now, and that rule is always fade Power MMA. It doesn't matter who it is. Anyone from Power MMA, always bet against them. It'll pay long-term. Even if this bet right here loses, long-term fading power MMA is going to win you money. I mean, dude, all these dudes have been losing all their fights. I mean, Darian Caldwell loses as a minus 1,000 favorite to Joe manglo You know, CB Dalloway is getting knocked out by Nate Marcourt, Johnny Case is losing uh, Jake Matthews. I mean, I can go on and on. All their guys are losing all their fights. That guy uh, that just uh, lost to Trevor Smith, Joe Gelati. Now, with Ryan Bader... You got to question where his head's at after a brutal, vicious knockout that he just—he's coming back from. It's not the fact that he got knocked out; it's the fact that he didn't even get to fight. And he—you know—he's known for his wrestling. That shot I mentioned, and uh, yeah, you got to question where his head's at if he takes a big shot here. And that wasn't the first time that he's been knocked out. I mean, Tito Ortiz dropped him, Machida dropped him. There's no shame in getting dropped by those guys, but you—you know—the chin never recovers. The more times you get dropped, the easier it is to get dropped again. And uh, you know, Ilir Latifi, one doesn't simply make their UFC debut on a short notice against Gegard Musasi and go all three rounds with him. I know he got you know uh, jabbed to death, but listen, Gegard Musasi has a world-class jab. I don't think Ryan Bader does. I know Ryan Bader outpointed Rashad Evans for three rounds, and credit to Bader for doing that. But you know, Rashad was at a uh, you know the tail end of his career, and Ilir. I think he's at his peak right here, and if he's ever going to make a run, now is going to be the time, and I'm picking him for the upset. Who you got, man?
2: I'm going to agree with you here. When you look at Ryan Bader, you know exactly what you're going to get. He's sort of that guy that packs his lunch, puts his hard hat on, and goes to work. He was a a three-time Division I All-American wrestler, two-time Pac-10 wrestling champ. You know he's got some decent striking but he's very middle of the road and to me he's he's a gatekeeper and when you look back at his body of work through the UFC and I mean this is I think he's had 14 fights he's sort of never beat that top guy now the the level of fighter in 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 Latifi that's about the guy he beats but really it comes down to how has Latifi progressed five and two in the UFC I believe but he three fight win streak and he's gotten better each fight out He's a powerhouse. He's got great wrestling, knockout power. And I think he's going to try to really take this fight to Bader. And you also made a good point about coming off that knockout against Anthony Johnson. Where is his head truly at? So as an underdog, I think Latifi is a great bet. What I struggle with in this is the fact that Bader's gone 9-0 and when this thing goes to the cart. So if Latifi's going to win, the math in this thing and the numbers tell us that he's got to finish Bader. So, like I said, this is the level of fighter that Bader beats. So, it will probably, for me, come down to how much Latifi has progressed. How much has he gotten better since his last time out? But I totally agree, man. Latifi is a safe bet on this one.
0: Man, a 100% rate when he goes to a, the decision, huh? That, so, uh, I guess it's going to be a 90% rate after uh, Saturday, huh?
2: Hey, you never know, man. It's just when it goes to the cards for whatever reason. I mean, the guy's got a gas tank. He's efficient with his energy. All that wrestling in his background really helped him. You know, have a great gas tank. It's crossed over into MMA. And when he fights through 15 minutes, it tends to work in his favor. What can you do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I'm going to go ahead and say or assume and predict because that's what we're doing here, that, uh, that he's declined because he's training at Power MMA. I mean, these guys aren't getting better. You're not seeing the result of, you know, proper training not that i'm one to tell a fighter you know how to how to train or this or that because i'm not but i mean the results are speaking for themselves right so uh i'm, I'm gonna make the assumption that sure he's, that he's declined since his last fight i mean and i'm gonna go back to the to the one point i've been making this entire time look at that takedown he shot against rumble johnson i mean is that the
2: sign of a guy with uh, close to 20 ufc fights That was the sign of a guy in desperation not to stand. That was the sign of a guy that wanted nothing to do with feeling Anthony Johnson's power on the feet. And I totally agree with you. It was premeditated and telegraphed and the result ended up in him losing the fight because it was poor execution of game plan. Not what we had seen out of Ryan Bader, the five fights prior. But if you look at the competition he faced over that streak, Not really top guys. Now, I'm not here to bash on a guy five-fight run in the UFC in the light heavyweight division. That's awesome work. But against top guys, you know, he just hasn't been that dude. And I I agree with you. I think Latifi is going to pull off the upset, and I think he's a safe bet.
0: Well, I I don't know about safe, but I'm definitely taking that shot. And at plus 230, what it was earlier... You know, I I think it's worth a stab. And like you said, man, it's no disrespect to Bader. I mean, look, we're the guys that sit and watch these fights. These guys put their lives on the line for our entertainment. So much respect. But uh, you you know how it goes, man. As Conor McGregor would say, it can be cold, it can be ruthless, but it is never personal. Now, next up, we got Alexander Alexander Gustafsson. The mauler, he returns. He's minus 720. The comeback on Jan Blankovic is plus 510. Now, uh, I mean, we all know the deal here. Uh, Alexander Gustafsson's, you know, he's getting a a tune-up fight. Jan Blankovic is being brought in to lose. And, uh, I mean, is is there a chance that Gustafsson fucks this up? I mean, we have seen Jan with a very strong body kick against Latifi, but that's been about the highlight of his UFC career. You know, he, he couldn't even put away Igor Pekryat. And no disrespect to Igor, but most of the guys at the higher level, you know, put him away. So, uh, you know, uh, there's gonna, there's a big reach advantage for Gustafsson. His footwork, he went back to Alliance, so you're going to see him go back to being the light heavyweight dominant cruise that he used to be. Because he got a little bit more stationary in some of his uh, last couple fights, but I think now that he's back at Alliance... It might, uh, you know, working with Dominic Cruz and Eric Del Fiero, it might, you know, reignite that fire in him. And, man, he, he almost became the champion in the fourth round of that fight with DC when he knocked him down with that beautiful knee from the tie clinch. So, uh, unless he just really fucks this up, he's going to go out there and maybe, <laughs> maybe submit Jan Blankovic, but, uh, I could see the knockout too. But, uh, regardless, he's going to win. So, you know, that points handicap should cash here. So, uh... I mean, do you do you see a path to victory for uh, for the underdog here?
2: Well, I think there always is, and especially in 2016. Look at what we've just witnessed over the course of this calendar year. Every, but I mean, there's only two titles that still remain, so there's definitely a possibility. But you know, you wonder how this fight even got put together. You got the number. I believe he's number two. Correct, Gustafson? Right against a guy not in the top 15 now they're selling this as uh, he was a champion in other organizations now Gustafson is is removed from one round of being the UFC light heavyweight champ the the loss to Daniel Cormier was the perception of one judge I mean it's crazy how this got puts together maybe the UFC knows something I don't I don't know. You spoke about the body kick. That is definitely a weapon. He's also got a crafty left hook and a nice uppercut. Gustafson is really, really crafty also on his feet. Now, it's interesting. You pointed out a reach advantage. Now, I read in the UFC.ca stats that it was only one inch. So I'm wondering if that was printed wrong. But the numbers I read stated that it was only one inch. And that is problematic in a way for Gustafson. Yeah. So definitely it's 2016. So, I mean, yeah, there's always a possibility that there's going to be an upset, but I'm going to agree with you in that this is a, a bit of a layup fight here. You have one of the top guys in the division. I think he's ranked number two against a guy outside the top 15. When you look at experience, I mean, there's a great deal of contrast here. Gustafson has fought the best of the best. So yeah, when you're talking about an upset, is there a possibility that we could see one? Yeah, I think there is. You mean in 2016, especially with USADA in the house, we've seen all but two UFC titles change hands. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is Gustafson's fight to lose. He fights tall, really works well from range. He's got great boxing, underrated wrestling, and he's fought much tougher competition. When you look at his body of work, I mean, He was the perception of one judge away from being a world champion, and that was the last time he competed. So, I mean, this is definitely his fight to lose. And Blankovich has a a great body kick, and you pointed that out. That's a very dangerous weapon, but I'm not sure that he's got the the well-rounded skill set needed to to beat Gustafson. His defensive wrestling is a real hole. We watched him struggle off his back. In two fights in the UFC, he does have a very underrated double leg takedown. We seen him use that in his last fight and, you know, spoke of a high fight IQ when he started to get in trouble on the feet. He changed levels and hit that takedown. But I think this is Gustafson's fight to lose. He has too many weapons. He is too crafty and he has too much experience to blow this. So I definitely believe in any way in my eyes that Gustafson gets out of here with a win.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that he's fought tougher competition. Not only has he fought tougher competition, he's performed well against that top competition. I mean, it's all come down to the, that fifth round against both John Bones and DC. You know, one round away, away from winning that championship two times. And, uh, you know, this ain't no uh, John Jones or DC. So I think that Alexander Gustafsson is going to get back in the win column. Now it comes down to is it going to be a decision
2: or will he put away Jan Blankovic? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but if Gustafson wants to reclaim glory here and and get back in the title picture, I don't know that a a victory over Jan Blankovic, in in terms of it goes to a decision, will be a statement. If he wants another crack at this strap that he's been so close to, he's going to need to come out here and finish and perform so I think he's gonna gun to make this a, a performance of the night or a fight of the night I think he really needs it and it's gonna help his confidence too he's coming off two big losses but I like the point you made about John Jones he took him to the brink I mean this is a guy that many consider one of the greatest of all time if not the greatest so that really speaks to the level of skill that Gustafson possesses so I am gonna. I definitely think it's his fight to lose, and I think he will get out of here with a finish.
0: Now, here we go. The main event of the evening. We got Josh Barnett. He's minus 145. The comeback on Andre Arlovsky is plus 125. Now, these two uh, have some history because back in the day when Josh Barnett was the pride heavyweight champion and Andre Arlovsky was the UFC heavyweight champion, Josh Barnett made a comment that all the best heavyweights were in pride. And I think uh, Andre, uh, you know, had a little bit of resentment built up over the years because of that. And I think on Saturday night, well, I don't think, I know, he has the opportunity in front of him to go out there and uh, prove that wrong. Now, you know, it's a clash of styles, the classic striker versus grappler, as we like to say. And, uh, man, it's a good fight, man. Two legends of the sport with Josh Barnett. You know, he, he does mix up his striking to his takedowns, even though, man, his last few fights he's been coming in out of shape. You know he's looking a lot slower with Andre. You know if you if you tag him on the chin, you're gonna knock him out. But the thing is, besides him getting knocked out by the two guys fighting for the bell right now, he hasn't really been uh, put down since his days in strike force. And in those fights, even you know the first uh, that that fight with uh, Overeem in that first round, he had a nice little flurry there against the fence. And I I don't think that uh, Josh Barnett can take those same punches that. Uh, you know, the champion Stipe Miocic or the number one contender Overeem took. And I think that... I Arlovsky actually going to get the upset here, as crazy as it sounds. I think that him and uh, Six-Gun Gibson, they got a good game plan. I mean, Six-Gun Gibson is one of the most underrated coaches in the game. You saw what he's been doing with Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone was already amazing, but now he's just taking it to that next level. And uh, with Andre, like we said, man, yeah, he did lose to the, to the champion and the number one contender. But aside from that, you know, he knocked out Travis Brown in the first round as a big underdog. He beat Frank Mir in a three-round decision. And, uh, now, you know, Josh Barnett, I don't have, you know, that feeling that he, he has the hunger for the title anymore. Whereas with Andre, despite all his setbacks, I still see that hunger in his eyes, man. So I got to go with Andre here. I think he finds the chin of Barnett and puts him away.
2: Yeah. You made some very, very good points. And the first one I'll speak to is what's left in the tank for Josh Barnett. Now, what we've seen in the Ben Rothwell fight was exactly what you said, a much slower guy, less reaction time. The thing is when father time comes and taps a guy on the shoulder, it's over. There's no coming back from that. So the question mark remains, was that a case of ring rust? Was it a case of just a bad night out with Josh Barnett or is it over? And I think that's a legitimate question and it will be answered definitively when these two meet. He still has a lot of weapons, and I think he brings them both on the feet and on the ground. Really good at closing the distance and getting to the clinch position. Dirty boxing, takedowns. I mean, you're not going to see explosive double legs, but he's great at throwing some shots, closing the gap, getting into that clinch, and then working a, a fighter to the ground. And his submission game, we can't forget about how strong it is because he was it by Rothwell. And I'm certainly not going to suggest it's a fluke or anything, but Barnett... Uh, submitted Dean Lister in competition. Like he was a 2009 world Nogi champion. His last three submission victories came by arm triangle. Dan Hardy pointed that out. I had just watched a piece he did on him. And what I like with that submission to a secondary point is the clear path that's created when guys are defending. And then he's able to slip into that submission from same mount. And I think that that's a really good play and something he's going to look to use in this fight. And You know, it's really going to come down to, you know, what what Arlovsky's done since these two losses. How can he rebound mentally? You spoke about the chin, and here's the thing. When he went to Jackson Winklejohn, he did some good things. He did the strength and conditioning with the neck muscles, which is huge for guys that have problems absorbing punishment. He worked on striking defense, shoulder rolls, blocking punches. He did a lot of great things to improve that but it never gets better. You you can never get your chin back. So for me, I'm never going to bet on Andre Oloski because I just can't bet on that chin. I just can't trust it. He's got a great right hand. I hope he comes with uh, some diverse weaponry and he doesn't limit himself to just that right hand. (coughs) Excuse me. I hope I see a, a lot of kicks in there mixing it up to stay on the outside, to try to use that speed and keep the fight from range. I think each guy respectively has a good chance at victory here, both at the latter stages, but crazy, you know, they might get themselves back in the title uh, shot picture here with a, 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 an important and uh, impressive performance. So, I mean, at this point, like I said, I'm not going to bet on Orlovsky's chin, but you drew a really good point there. What's left for Josh Barnett, 38 years old, and he's had over 40 professional fights.
0: Yeah, man, and I mean, I spoke to Vic about it, and he made the exact same point that you did. I mean, he's like, well, I mean, we just can't trust Arlovsky's chin, so, you know, it is what it is. Once the chin goes, it never comes back, but with some guys, they learn how to work around it. You know, you see a guy like Edson Barbosa. Even though he's only been knocked out one time, he has been criticized, you know, for wobbling a lot, for getting dropped from time to time, but he's really been implementing good footwork. A better example is Alistair Overeem, who actually has been KO'd, many times, and now he's fighting for a world title because he found a way to, I don't know if he's tucking his chin better, if he's setting up his strikes with his footwork better, whatever he's doing, it's working, and there are ways to work around that, so my hope for Andre Arlovsky is that it's a similar situation to the two examples of the fighters I just mentioned, and that him and Six-Gun Gibson just uh, take his strike into that next level, offensively and defensively.
2: Here's the, the X factor I'll give you in this fight. And I think this is, you know, rings true to all the heavyweights right now. And, and it's really just margin of error. Who gets cracked first? Who gets caught and clipped with a big front punch first? Because most oftentimes it just completely changes the course of the fight. Barnett has exceptional striking defense. And he also hits his strikes at a, a great percentage. I think it's around 60. And he's great on both sides with the wrestling. So I, I think the numbers favor Barnett. But one big punch in the heavyweight division from either of these guys, and it's lights out. So it's kind of a coin flip, but I'm going to stick with my original statement, and I ain't never betting on that chin.
0: (laughs) Well, we got to get to the fight to watch and the fighter to watch for UFC Hamburg. Again, I know you and I only covered the main card, but feel free to pick any fighter from the entire card. So first up, the fight to watch for UFC Hamburg. What is the fight to watch, my man?
2: My fight is Ashley Evans-Smith versus Maronica Macedo just because I absolutely love the women's division, especially the Bantamweight. It's always exciting. I don't know what it is about these chicks, but I absolutely love watching them throw down. So anytime there's a female fight going on in any of these cards, I'm watching because they bring it every time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely one of the fights to watch. I mean, with Ashley Evan smith she's been thrown to the wolves right off the bat in her UFC career. You know, UFC debut against Raquel Pennington. Then she fights Marion Renault to that controversial split decision. And with Veronica Macedo, she made her pro debut, as we mentioned earlier in the show, in 2016, March of this year. So, I mean, that's a huge leap in, in uh Competition and it's, and it's on short notice. So I 100% agree with you when you say that's one of the fights to watch. Now, for me, my fight to watch is Scott Askham versus Jack Hermanson. Look, I, I think that Scott Askham, this is going to be that breakthrough fight for him. You know, he's had mixed results in the UFC. He's knocked some guys out in the first round. He's been to dis, uh, decisions with very tough guys in Christoph Jocko and Magnus Siedenblad. And when Jack Hermanson, I mean, this guy's been hyped up on the regional scene for a very long time, but. You don't just go in there against Scott Askham and make your debut unless you're very hyped up. There's a reason they made this matchup, and uh, that's my fight to watch. Now Kobe, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Hamburg?
2: I think at this point it's Latifi. If he if he comes out and, and gets an upset over Bader, who's you know a top ten guy in the division He instantly becomes a a real threat in the light heavyweight division, and he's gotten better each time out. He's an absolute powerhouse, like I said, knockout power in both hands, great wrestling. And he really takes a jump here if he wins this fight. And as an underdog, I mean, he's got a good shot. So it's a statement for him because Bader is, I guess, what we could call a gatekeeper. So Latifi instantly thrusts himself up the ladder with a reasonable underdog win here on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, Latifi is definitely one of your fighters to watch. I mean, if he can get this victory over Ryan Bader, I mean, we're talking a top five ranking. So... This is a big stakes fight for Alir Latifi, and he's definitely one of your fighters to watch. Now, my fighter to watch is Nicholas Dalby. Look, I think that this guy's been very impressive throughout his UFC career. He's 1-1-1, won, won, won. one win, one loss, one draw, arguably 3-0. and I mean, that fight against Zaleski was fun to watch. The Darren Till fight was a classic. And then uh, the heart he showed against Zach Cummings. I mean, I'm very impressed with Nicholas Dalby and I think this is going to be that spot similar to uh, Scott Ascom where Nicholas Dalby really makes that statement kind of like a, You know, you remember how Kristoff Jocko was going to all these split decisions You saw glimpses here and there but ultimately, you know He wasn't able to kick that second gear then he goes out there against the barn cat knocks him out in under a minute and got that Statement that that marquee win that he's needed. I think that's gonna be the moment for uh, Nicholas Dalby Saturday night, and he is my fighter to watch. Now, Kobe, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's an absolute pleasure having you on the show, my man. We'll do it again soon, and I'll let the
2: audience know where to follow you and anything else you want to plug, my man. Now's the time. Well, I'd like to invite you to Kobe's Corner for a UFC 203 post-fight analysis. I'd love to get together and kick it once again and go over all the exciting action. I think that's going to be a fantastic card. You can find me on Twitter at Kobe519. You can check my workout on YouTube. Simply type in Kobe k into your YouTube search engine. If you watch it and you like it, please subscribe. If you don't, thanks anyway. I also post all of my stuff onto Facebook. You can find me there. Kobe's Corner, Corner with the K. You can like my page. Kick it with me. Talk the fight game. I love to hear fan's perspective. I love to, to learn from people. And, you know, just enjoy my time and embracing this mixed martial arts sport that we all love so much.
0: Yeah, definitely subscribe to Kobe's Corner. I'm a big fan. And for all the fans watching, thank you so much for checking out Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. And subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.